Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Welcome back. Uh, Today, we are going to talk about something that is so much fun. You may or may not agree with that, but today we are going to talk about bloating and gas. And I know that this can be an embarrassing subject, so that's why we're talking about it here, um, because you can just take this information and listen, and you don't necessarily have to talk about it out loud with somebody else. But just know before we even go into any of this information um, that you're not alone and that we all experience bloating and gas from time to time. So what we're going to talk about today specifically, though, is what exactly is bloating and gas? What are the causes? How do we manage it? And when do we know if we need more medical intervention? So if you have listened to this podcast before, you know how much I love talking about poop. In fact, I had a guy at my house the other day, just in fact, yesterday, uh, he came to pick up a punching bag that we had put on Facebook Marketplace. And um, he told me that he was, you know, he just bought a house and he was trying to um, really work on his fitness Uh, He does mixed martial arts, and he wanted to change his composition so he could fight at a different weight. And he's like, yeah, I've been working out hard. I've changed my diet. And of course, you know, alarms go off in my head. And immediately I'm like, oh, what are you doing with your diet? What did you have for breakfast? What did you have for lunch? And he's looking at me like, lady, I I don't even know you. And I was like, no, 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 it's okay. I'm a dietitian. I love to talk about this. And so he proceeded to tell me what he ate. Guys, I have a problem. If you see me and you know I'm an introvert and I don't know what to talk to with people, I will start asking you what you ate for breakfast and what you ate for lunch and dinner that day. It's just how my brain works. So just go with it. Um, I actually was talking to one of the people that I work with today, and I was telling her the story about how this poor guy came to my house, and I start bombarding him with questions about his diet. And she looked at me, and she's like, Adrian, did you ask what his poop was like? And I said, no, I restrained myself, and I'm very proud to say that I just kept it at the food part. And she looked at me, and she's like, I am so proud of you. I know that was not easy. And so we were laughing. Um, But it's true. Your poop tells a story. And if you are having any type of abdominal issues, gastrointestinal, you know, just wanting to feel your best, I need to know what your poop looks like because it helps me figure out what is the right course of action to take. Bloating and gas is no different, right? You know, it's normal that we all experience bloating from time to time and gassy, um, being gassy, but there are times when it's excessive or when it's accompanied by pain or even more serious things like diarrhea. Um, and then we need, we need to look into things a little bit deeper. And when it goes beyond just being a simple, you know, harmless habit, or if there's an underlying medical issue, I need more information. So today this episode is 
for you if you experience bloating and gas and how do you know if you need to take further action. So let's first and foremost start with bloating. What is bloating? Well, for most of us, we'll report a feeling of pressure, tightness, feeling swollen, um, maybe even distension, visible distension in the abdomen. It's probably one of the most commonly reported symptoms associated with functional gut disorders. So um, yeah, bloating is usually accompanied by other symptoms like gas noises, such as gurgling or rumbling, uh, usually accompanied by gas as well. So either frequent flagellants and or burping, uh, and again, can also be accompanied by abdominal pain. All right, so we're going to talk about bloating and gas today. We're starting with the bloating, but first and foremost, what causes bloating? All right, well, there's a couple things that we see that can be underlying causes. First and foremost, constipation. All right, constipation is probably one of the most common things we see in our office. Um, In fact, 80% of people who experience constipation will usually describe bloating as severe. And so if you find yourself constipated, whether it be in terms of frequency, how often you go to the bathroom, or in your, the type of stool, you know, are you, we passing pellets or little balls versus formed logs, all right? Again, if you want to go more into poop, we're not going to do that today. (laughs) Go back to one of my earlier episodes where I describe everything about your poop, like the stool shape and color and texture, all of the things. We're not going to do that today, but just know that constipation is probably one of the most, uh, or one of the biggest reasons for bloating. All right. So obviously you want to be drinking plenty of water, eating plenty of fiber, um, but also exercise is helpful in um, giving you some relief. So again, always comes down to diet and exercise. Another thing that can cause bloating is if you're eating too quickly. All right. Typically, if you're eating too quickly, there's a good chance you're also overeating. All right. So bloating can be a result of overeating, which is usually caused by eating too quickly, which is usually caused by distracted eating. So if you're eating in front of your phone or in front of a TV or a computer screen, chances are you're not paying attention. So you're eating quicker, which then causes you to overeat and then you feel bloated. So one of the ways that we can overcome this is stopping halfway through your meal and just doing a check-in. How do you feel? Are you full or you know, are you still hungry and you have room for more food? But just doing that halfway check-in is a way that you can be more mindful and pay attention um, to make sure that the quantity you're eating does feel good in your body. I always tell people, your body tells you exactly what it needs. First and foremost, you just have to know how to listen to it because a lot of us are distracted. And then the second part of that is honoring it. So when your body does give you information, you actually do things that make it feel better. I had a, um, a lady today and she was talking about how she's eating a lot at night. And she's like, she started out by saying, you know, I was really tired and I wanted to get some work done. And so the next thing I know, I find myself in the kitchen eating. 
And here's the thing. The first thing she says is, I was really tired. So she identified that fatigue was the issue, but she tried to use food as the solution. Like, not only is it helpful to identify what's going on in your body, but it's also very helpful to acknowledge and then choose the appropriate coping strategies so that you're not maybe eating when food is not the problem or when hunger is not the problem, I should say. All right, so eating too much too fast can be a reason why you're bloated. Um, Another reason is if you have too much salt in your diet. Typically, we think of, you know, retaining fluid in our fingers. We can feel it with our rings. You may see it in your ankles. But a high-sodium diet can additionally cause bloating in your stomach region. And so we know that excess sodium isn't a good thing for... Um, diseases such as hypertension or stroke. So it's not usually in our best interest to eat a high-sodium diet. There are exceptions to that, of course, certain conditions. But for the majority of us, lowering our sodium intake can also help with bloating. Another reason you might be bloated, um, it could be if you're a woman, it could be your time of the month. Um, 90% of people, of women, report bloating as a regular monthly symptom. So it might not necessarily be food-related if you're noticing its cycles monthly. Um, You might be drinking beverages through a straw. Now, this is something that I recommend all the time to drink more water is to drink it through a straw. But if you're swallowing too much air, it can contribute to gas and bloating. All right, so drinking through a straw, eating too fast, you might be sucking in too much air. Uh, Also things like chewing gum or sucking on hard candy can also contribute to extra bloat. So if that is something that you notice you have been doing more often and you're experiencing bloating, it might be something you want to change. Now, there are also some more serious conditions that bloating can be a symptom of. And so the first one is celiac disease. And so this is an autoimmune disorder which causes inflammation in the intestine. And it is an allergy to an ingredient called gluten. Gluten is a protein found in wheat, barley, and rye products. Now it's important to note that if you have celiac, Bloating is probably not the only symptom you're experiencing. Most often you will have nausea and weight loss, can have severe diarrhea, fatigue. So typically bloating is not going to be your only symptom if you have celiacs. Um, But if you suspect that this might be the case, you definitely want to be talking to your doctor so they can do some more tests um, to diagnose you with that. Um, In that case, then you are going to want to take uh, gluten out of your diet because it's going to make you feel better. Uh, But there's also something that we call a food intolerance. Now, this is not an allergy per se. It's not going to show up on a blood test, but um, your body just doesn't do well with it. All right. And so for people that suspect a food intolerance, Honestly, I'm going to tell you right now, the best thing you can do is do an elimination diet where you take the food out of your diet, see if you feel better, and then reintroduce it to see if your symptoms return. 
There are a lot of tests out there that promise you the world. For just $400, we can detect all of your food intolerances. And I'm here to tell you to save your money. Like There are no studies, repeated double-blind studies, that support accuracy from these food intolerance tests. The gold standard is the elimination diet. And it's free. (laughs) So if you suspect a food intolerance, then you're going to want to do an elimination diet. Now, if you have been diagnosed with IBS or suspect that you have a food intolerance, there is a diet that you can follow called a low FODMAP diet. And basically, uh, a low FODMAP diet was designed to eliminate these short-chain carbohydrate sugars that pass through the gut undigested and that ferment in the colon, which can cause bloating and gas. All right. So unlike celiac disease, there's no structural damage to the intestinal wall. It's just more of helping you feel comfortable. All right. Celiac, there, you know, can be a lot of issues with because there's actual damage to the wall. IBS, there's no damage. It's what we call a functional disease. Structurally, everything is okay, but for some reason, your gut is just struggling to digest some of these carbohydrates. So what are some of these carbohydrates? Well, one is lactose. All right. You could be lactose intolerant. And honestly, over half the human population has a lactose intolerance where they're unable to fully digest the sugar lactose. Another interesting fact is as we age, we make less of the enzyme called lactase, which breaks down lactose. So you may be one of those people that never has had an issue before with drinking milk or eating ice cream, and then all of a sudden you're noticing some abdominal pain and bloating and, you know, urgent trips to the bathroom right after you eat dairy you could potentially have a lactose intolerance. And so for that, you know, good news is you can either take an enzyme called lactase right before you consume lactose products, or you can choose lactose-free items. Like they have lactose-free milk and lactose-free ice cream. Or, you know, you can do dairy alternatives like almond-based or coconut-based or oat milk-based dairy products. I say dairy in quotations because they're not truly dairy, but they're alternatives. All right. You may have a fructose malabsorption. All right. So you may not be able to absorb lactose or you may not be able to digest fructose. And fructose is found in some fruits, uh, most commonly in corn syrups and honey. So that is also something that if you suspect an issue every time you eat those foods, we can look into that. Um, usually a fructose malabsorption is diagnosed by um, a GI doctor. They'll do a breath test. Um, but again, along with the bloating comes diarrhea and abdominal pain. So a lot of these more serious conditions Bloating isn't isolated. There's usually other issues that are going on as well that are alerting you that, hey, this might need some medical intervention. All right. Um, There are also gas-producing foods that can cause bloating, such as artichokes, garlic, cabbage, Brussels sprouts. 
whole grains. Um, and again, these are the oligosaccharides that your body just has trouble breaking down and, um, it causes gas and bloating. So, you know, the best thing that you can do again, I'll reiterate is if you suspect that there is an issue, um, or a food based issue, number one, work with somebody who understands all this stuff. All right. Don't just start taking random things out of your diet and throwing them back in without a plan. Because we want to make sure that the information you're getting from your elimination diet is actually what's going on. We don't want to just guess. Um, I had a, a lady in my office a couple weeks ago, and she was struggling with IBS and a lot of the pain and bloating. And um, she's like, well, my doctor told me to do FODMAP. And so that's all he told me. So I took out all the foods that, you know, were high in FODMAP. And then I introduced them all back in at the same time. I was like, well, just because it's a high FODMAP food doesn't mean you have an intolerance to all high FODMAP foods. So we talked about a systemized way of reintroducing the foods so she would know exactly what are her triggers. Just because it's a high FODMAP food doesn't mean that you can't tolerate any high FODMAP foods. So again, you want to make sure you're working with somebody that knows what they're doing and understands the process of how to reintroduce. Otherwise, you did that elimination phase for nothing. And then people get frustrated because, you know, they think they're doing the right thing and they're doing the best they can with the information they have. It's just not enough. All right. So again, the main thing I want to review here is, you know, there is some normalcy behind bloating. Okay. Um, you know, if there's bloating, you know, fermentate, I should say fermentation and bloating, it's all part of a normal, healthy digestive tract. All right. It means your gut is being well fed. It means your body's, you know, processing and digesting foods. The problem is if it becomes excessive or it's painful, or it comes along with some other symptoms, then we have to do a little bit more work. So in terms of being diagnosed with bloating, you know, there's not necessarily a test that you take. Um, it's just more of, are you experiencing the, the feeling of fullness and tightness and pressure in the abdominal region? Um, what we do want to focus on is what are your treatment options? Okay, so I started to give you some things that you can do when we were talking about some of the causes. So like if there's constipation, we want to add more fluid, we want to add more fiber, uh, we want to avoid some of those gas producing foods, we might not want to be drinking through a straw or um, avoiding carbonated beverages that might cause excess air in our intestinal tract. Um, we may want to try a low FODMAP diet, ones that are low in lactose and oligosaccharides and fructose to see if any of those are your triggers. There's also some lifestyle management things you can do, like exercise. You know, if you sit often, make sure you're standing up and taking breaks every once in a while. You know, exercise is so important because it improves gas clearance from the bowel and really that excess gas is what's causing so much bloating. Stress is also um, a potential cause. So reducing stress in your day, um, your lifestyle, I know that's an easier said than done, but you'd be surprised at how many things stress can impact. 
Um, your clothes. You know, are you wearing comfortable clothes? Are they too tight, especially in the mid region? That can make you feel extremely uncomfortable. So make sure your clothes are fitting well. If you need to size up, you do. You know, rather that than wear something too tight and uncomfortable and then be in pain all the time. So changing your diet, maybe changing some of your lifestyle things can be helpful. Sometimes medication can also be helpful. Uh, taking things like laxatives or antibiotics if, you know, SIBO is suspected or taking enzymes like we talked about, the lactase enzymes. There are some things that we can do to medically intervene, but I'm always a fan of let's see what we can do just through diet and lifestyle first, and then if necessary, we can go to the medication route. All right. So again, our stomachs are going to expand throughout the day as we eat and our bodies digest. But if you are experiencing significant distension and pain, then we want to make sure that we're maybe talking to somebody to make sure that some of those more serious conditions aren't a factor. All right, moving on. I want to talk a little bit about gas. And I know that gas and bloating go hand in hand. They kind of, one feeds into the other. But let's just take gas on its own and just talk about some of the things that you can do to eliminate or reduce, especially if you are struggling. Um, I was talking to a client, a young girl, and she was talking about how gas is so embarrassing. And I was like, yeah, it's not a bad thing if you're at home and you're by yourself. Um, but when you're out in public, it can make you very uncomfortable. So here it is again. Everyone has gas. All right. Just some people may experience more gas than others. Um, gas is basically air that's produced in your digestive system. And it's released either by burping or through flagellation. All right. So we all know what that is. I don't need to go into, into detail. Um, what causes gas? Mostly it's swallowing air that causes most of the gas we make. Um, but there are healthy bacteria in your large intestine, which makes the rest of the gas. Okay. Here's the thing. Those bacteria, they feed on foods like vegetables, beans, lentils, fruits. The bacteria, they basically feed on fiber. All right. And it is our job to keep those bacteria happy and healthy because that is what keeps our immune system in check. 85% of your immune system is in your gut. And what helps you stay healthy is by keeping those good, healthy bacteria in your gut well-fed. And we do that through fiber. Sometimes you'll hear of taking a prebiotic. You know, you can take a probiotic and a prebiotic. Prebiotic is basically just fiber. All right? So as long as you're eating a high-fiber diet, you're doing well chances are you don't need to take a prebiotic. All right. But when it comes to what causes gas, it's either swallowing air or it's from the healthy bacteria in our gut. And that is a good thing. We don't want to reduce the healthy bacteria. We want more, if anything. That's why people take probiotics. All right. There are also digestive conditions that can cause gas. We talked about celiac disease. That's one of them. We talked about food intolerances like lactose. That's another one. Um, gastroesophageal reflux disease, otherwise known as GERD. 
you may have heard of this or just known commonly as reflux, that can also cause um, a lot of extra burping. We don't think of it more in the terms of flagellants, but we think more in terms of burping. And then those conditions like IBS, that irritable bowel syndrome. So those would be the digestive conditions that cause gas. Um, but again, swallowing air and our healthy bacteria in our gut make up the rest. So how do we reduce gas, right? That's enough, Adrian. I, I know what gas is. Just tell me how to get rid of it. I hear what you're saying. All right. So we can't stop our bodies from making gas, but we can reduce how much gas we make. So I'm going to give you a couple tips on if this is a problem for you, what you can do. First and foremost, eat your meals slowly. We talked about this when we talked about bloating. All right. If you're eating too quickly and you're swallowing air and guys, you know this to be true because when you're gulping food down, you're also swallowing a lot of air. So when you slow down and take your time, you do much better. Um, also try not to speak with food in your mouth. Only talk after you swallow. So when your mother told you this, when you were four, stop talking with your mouth full. It wasn't only because, you know, it's disturbing <laughs> for the people that have to look at the food in your mouth. It's also so you don't swallow too much air, which can cause gassiness. All right. Um, avoiding carbonated beverages like soda or beer, they can cause extra gas. Um, drink lukewarm fluids instead of hot beverages. So you're, that might be a way to help eliminate some gas. Avoid a straw. We talked about that when it comes to bloating. And then also, again, that avoiding chewing gum or sucking on hard candies. Those are probably the most common ways that people take in too much air. Um, the other thing is if you do smoke or chew tobacco, obviously quitting, that is going to be in your best interest. Um, I know that not everybody um, wants to do that, but it is a contributor. All right. We want to make sure that if it's a food intolerance, like we talked about that lactose-free uh, milk or using the plant-based alternatives, uh, beans can also cause gassiness. All right. So instead of just, you know, eating the beans as is like right out of your can, you may want to pre-soak beans for at least four hours in water and then drain them really well before cooking. That can get rid of some of those uh, carbohydrates that the body has trouble digesting. If you are going to eat foods, the cruciferous vegetables like broccoli, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, onions, artichokes, you just want to make sure you eat them in small amounts and you mix those vegetables with other vegetables so that they're not the star of the show. Um, fiber, remember, we need lots of fiber. We don't want to be constipated. We don't want stool just sitting in our intestine so bacteria can work on it and cause a lot of gas. So we want to be eating a high fiber diet to keep our intestine clear and happy. Make sure you're drinking plenty of water for that. Um, carbonated beverages, want to make sure we drink them occasionally, not every day. Obviously, you want to choose water as much as possible. And then the only other food that I would caution you against are the um, foods sweetened with sugar alcohols. Um, probably the one most common that I can think of are your flavored waters right now. A lot of times they're um, sweetened with erythritol, xylitol, mannitol. They can cause a lot of gas. And so if you all of a sudden you're noticing 
hey, I'm a lot gassier than usual. I don't know what it is. Have you started drinking flavored waters? Or are you consuming products that have um, sugar alcohols in them? Because a lot of manufacturers are using this now because it keeps your blood sugar down and it's an alternative to the artificial sweeteners, uh, which a lot of people, you know, they like that part of it, but they're also noticing they're a lot more gassy. So just something to pay attention to. And again, if you're experiencing more gas than normal, record it. Keep a record of what foods you're eating and then maybe go back and listen to this podcast again and see if any of the foods could potentially be offensive. And one more time, I'm going to say it again and again. If you're not sure, reach out to a dietitian, whether it's body metrics, which would be fantastic. We'd love to work with you or a dietitian group in your area. You know, we are here to help. You are not here to figure this out on your own. Okay. We'd love to help you figure that out. You know, gas is one of those things. It's a normal function of our bodies and it's typically harmless. It's more of an embarrassment than it is necessarily a problem. Again, unless you're accompanied by some of those more um, serious conditions like diarrhea or severe pain, then we need to seek out medical intervention. All right, guys, that was a whirlwind. I gave you a ton of information. So you may need to listen to this podcast another time or two. Um, or again, if you didn't grab that notebook pa paper, um, you may want to do that and write some notes down because there is help. You don't have to struggle with this. There are things that we can do to help you feel better. All right. So that is our information today. All right, it is time to go to our recipe. So I'm actually gonna give you a low FODMAP recipe today, uh, which basically means it just doesn't have any of those ingredients that might cause bloating and gassiness if you struggle with it. So we are making a Moroccan chicken, okay? And so for this recipe, you're gonna need a quarter cup of garlic infused olive oil. So garlic is one of those foods that can cause bloating and gas. So what we do is if you still enjoy the flavor of garlic, we just infuse oil with garlic. So literally putting garlic cloves in olive oil and letting it sit and letting the flavor seep into the oil. So that way when you use the oil, you have a garlic flavor without actually eating the garlic, which causes bloating and gas. So you're gonna need a quarter cup of garlic infused olive oil. You're gonna need two teaspoons of ground paprika, one teaspoon of ground cumin, a half a teaspoon of salt, a half a teaspoon of ground coriander, a half a teaspoon of ground cinnamon, a half a teaspoon of ground turmeric, a quarter teaspoon of ground ginger, an eighth of a teaspoon of cayenne pepper. Now this is optional. If you don't like spicy, take this out and then roughly a 20 ounce package of boneless skinless chicken thighs, or alternatively, you can use chicken breast. All right, so in a small bowl, you're gonna whisk together all the ingredients except the chicken. So literally all your spices and your oil. And then you're going to transfer that mixture into a gallon Ziploc bag or a glass container, whatever you have, and go ahead and add your chicken and marinate. Okay, basically you're gonna marinate that chicken in the fridge for at least an hour, but you can marinate up to eight hours if you wish. 
And then guys, this is where it's simple. When you're ready, you're going to go ahead and preheat a grill or put your broiler on high, remove the chicken from the marinade, go ahead and toss any leftover marinade. And you're basically going to grill the chicken thighs for about six to eight minutes per side or until it's cooked. And if you're curious when they're done, go ahead and use a meat thermometer. We want to look for an internal temperature of 165, and then you know it's done. And you can serve that chicken over rice and maybe a side of green beans and have a delicious meal that will not produce gas and bloating if that is something you struggle with. All right, guys, I hope you found this information to be helpful. Again, if you have any questions or need our help in any way, we are here to serve you. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I will see you next week. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website at bodymetricspa.com. Or you can find us on socials. We're on Instagram at Bodymetrics Health or on Facebook at Bodymetrics Health and Wellness Services. The book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.